Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Some years ago, again, I, of course, grew up on the uh, farmstead in rural North Dakota and For many years, my parents attended a small rural church uh, in that area and in that region. Uh, But when I was in elementary school, we had made a move to attend a congregation that was in the community where I and my siblings, of course, went to school. And I remember the first day that we were in the Sunday school that was there. I'm a little shy, a little sheepish, of course, and new students that are there, new surroundings. You know, I grew up, you know, on a farm, isolated much of the time, never around large groups of people. And uh, there was one little boy that was just kind of running back and forth. This is probably the one that nowadays they would want to dose him with Ritalin or something like that. He was making a lot of noise, and I didn't really know how to react, so I just kind of backed myself against the wall and kind of watched everything that was going on. But as he was moving around and speaking uh, very loudly, being very animated, uh, we all noticed that someone had brought a bouquet of flowers to the teacher and uh, a gesture of thanks that she had taken the time uh, uh, to want to instruct us children and teach us about Jesus. And as this boy was moving around, he stopped and his eyes got as big as saucers uh, and he drew near this bouquet and he went, and he said, stinks good. And I remember thinking, I like him. Because there was something just so odd about that statement in itself, because these are two words that seemingly oppose each other. But yet, it's something that has made an impression upon my mind and remains with me today. Thus, this is what I've entitled my sermon, Stinks Good. I had read an article sometime back in National Geographic, and it was entitled Perfume, The Essence of Illusion. Sophia Grossman of International Flavors and Fragrances declared that perfume is a promise in a bottle. We want to believe. We crave to be prettier, richer, sexier, happier than we are. We know that many of the labels of uh, the aromas that we have today, labels like joy, pleasures, white diamonds, even beautiful. Charles Revson, who created Charlie in 1973, said, We sell hope. Tens of billions of dollars are spent uh, on perfumes each and every year. It comes from the word pufumar, which means to 
spread smoke. For those of you who remember world history, Cleopatra uh, was said to have uh, soaked her sails in perfumes in order to deceive Mark Antony, uh, her lover. The Assyrian army was said to have perfumed their beards even as they entered into battle. I'm sure that was preferable to smelling perfume as their their bodies uh, instead, uh, especially after uh, hard days of fighting. Nero, it said, bathed in rose wine. The Emperor Napoleon was said to have used a bottle or two of cologne on a daily basis. And I imagine wearing those uh, wool coats and the funny hats and uh, those things during that time. I don't know how much it helped, uh, but uh, I guess when you lead large armies, you can afford a couple bottles of cologne. But it's been said that memory and fragrances are intertwined that it literally touches the seed of our emotions. Many of us know the smells of home cooking, those recipes that mother or grandmother had, especially around the holidays. And uh, it actually can transport us back uh, that when we were children and the get-togethers that we had, we remember, again, those favorite dishes or maybe pie that is baking in the oven brings immediate access to those memories. Some of our parents, maybe our father, used a certain aftershave or cologne, and so just to smell that today will remind us, uh, almost uh, sensing their presence uh, 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 to some degree. You know, I've had those experiences where I'm walking with my family, uh, even uh, through... uh, Uh, the store, and somebody passes by, and uh, all of a sudden I get the smell or the aroma that I'm familiar with, and almost immediately I think of a certain person or individual that I've known uh, from the past. And it's for that very reason that people will refer to perfume as the ghost in a bottle. With that in mind, I want to consider a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. The first three verses states that dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. You know, there are a lot of references in Scripture about attributes that God has that we relate to physically. The eyes of God that run to and fro in the earth, uh, looking for people who are faithful, uh, We read references to the finger of God being upon the hearts of men, the hand of God uh, bringing deliverance, uh, God inclining his ear to the cries of his people. But we don't often think about God actually smelling or catching uh, aromas in some way. But yet we do find a precedent uh, to understand that this is uh, something that is very apt. In our understanding of God, in Exodus chapter 30, verse 1 begins, uh, 
speaking of the building of the articles of the tabernacle, a place of worship, and people approaching the presence of God. It says, you shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. Verses 7 through 10, Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. And when he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a personal, perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year you shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Again, here is a, uh, a piece of furniture to be used in the worship of God, that it is being sanctified and set aside for a specific purpose, not to be used for anything else except for the burning of incense, a perpetual consideration for the generations. There are references, of course, to Israel during its rebellion, having burned strange incense. In 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 17, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger. Again, that God actually is saying that he notices, he has uh, again, uh, drawn attention to those who have uh, uh, not used this reference appropriately. Uh, again, burning strange incense that provokes him to anger. You know, we use scents to cover up odors. You know, we are here in the first world. We have a lot of advantages today. They don't in the third world. I've learned a little bit of about uh, pastor's experience in Bulgaria, but I've been in some third world situations and uh, the smells can be overwhelming at times. Experiences in restaurants are different than we have today because almost everything that we purchase today is infused with some type of fragrance. Isn't that true? Whether it's our uh, deodorants, uh, uh, whether it's the uh, 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 items that we use uh, for air fresheners, uh, even in our restrooms. Uh, you know, we, we can have an old hoopty car, but we can buy a new car smell. And so we're so familiar uh, uh, with these things. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I... Uh, again, was experimenting with things. You know, I was looking for what life meant. And I used to smoke things that was illegal in all states at that time. Uh, and uh, uh, we would sometimes bring like a can of right guard or something like that. So before we went back to school, we would try to cover up that aroma by spraying ourselves uh, in some way. And uh, But yet as we walked through the halls of the school, glassy-eyed. I don't think anybody was fooled that we tried to cover up that aroma. People knew exactly what we were up to. And how many know that it's true when God looks at our lives as well? We try to cover things up. We try to uh, uh, find ways to erase uh, maybe the stench of indiscretion in some ways. Uh, 
God is looking, though, for a precious aroma. You know, when we think about fragrances, you know, natural fragrances are actually more valuable than gold. A lot of women are completely unaware is that uh, uh, amber geese is a uh, very costly uh, uh, ingredient that is used in many perfumes today. You'd be surprised where it comes from. I've heard uh, of uh, fishing expeditions that are out fishing for $300,000 tuna who will stop their operation when they discover ambergris floating on the surface of the water. See what it is. Uh, this is something that is in the, uh, uh, the stomach lining of a sperm whale that they regurgitate from time to time. But yet a chunk, probably the size of one of these speakers, could net you probably one and a half million dollars. And so it always begs the question, who is the first one who obtained this substance and said, oh, that'll go good in my wife's perfume? <laughs> but yet ingredients, you know, of our old life. You know, we wouldn't use something so precious to spray the barn. And so it is with God taking note of our life. Maybe we think we're outstanding because of some accomplishment. Uh, we have some new fragrant addition to our life. We're driving a new truck. Uh, we've got a new uh, uh, suit. Uh, something uh, that we feel uh, that people will notice us now. But yet God knows who we are in the hidden parts of our life. See, what is apparent to God, we sometimes can hide from others. Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 through 28. Many of us are familiar with this scripture. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You know, Jesus cuts to the very heart of the issue. It's not how we can appear to be right. What's important is what is taking place on the inside. See, God uh, can see uh, the indiscretion. Again, coming back to our text, uh, the illustration uh, that we find here about the dead flies putrefying the perfumer's ointment. Uh, that even back then, as they begin to put ingredients together, uh, that... Something so small as a fly getting into those ingredients as it begins to decompose, that it changes everything. It's not something you would want to use. It's not something uh, uh, that would any longer smell pleasant. And uh, the writer brings that to an understanding as 
This is so true of our life as well. But how important, how significant our reputation is that when we build a testimony of serving God, that we've been delivered, that we have chosen to walk that straight and narrow path that leads to everlasting life, that if we yield to temptation, that this can change the dynamics of our life so much. And so we read these words of warning that our actions would demonstrate whether or not we are foolish or whether or not we are wise. This demonstrates where our heart lies. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, the apostle writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, how frequently do we connect the terms wisdom and our conduct? But yet, here the apostle draws this very important conclusion that the two are linked together. The way we live, the way we treat others. How many of you know there's a great wisdom in love? Caring for people. Indeed, many people, when they stand before God in the day of judgment, uh, Jesus will say, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. And people would say, when did we see you? Hungry and thirsty and in prison. When you neglected the least of these. See, God observes, He sees, and there's a wisdom that's involved in simply caring for people that people frequently overlook. See, God tires of the stench of indiscretion, the stench of the flesh. How many know that most of the perfumes, the soaps, the shampoos, all of the things that are infused, we even have odor eaters for our shoes. Because we're trying to find a way to address the smell of our flesh. But yet, Scripture is filled with representations of this very thing. Even the significance of water baptism, the washing of water, the references that now we are being cleansed, the washing of water through the Word. This is why we need preaching, this is why we need instruction. Because it helps wash away the sins and the desires, the appetites that smell before God. And this is important for us to understand. Galatians chapter 5, we read about the works of the flesh. Uh, These things have an aroma. This thing uh, that we see even in our generation today, the violence that fills our generation, uh, 
uh, the constant uh, revelations of people's uh, uh, inappropriate behavior uh, in secret, adulterous uh, affairs and fornication, uh, drunkenness, and I can go on. Again, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here is New Testament reference. Uh, and understanding uh, is that if we continue in rebellion, we continue in sin, uh, if we fail to stop and repent of our sins, uh, it will lead us uh, to judgment. It will lead us uh, to separation from God. God has warned us of this uh, from the beginning of time. But I want to consider in closing the sweet-smelling savor, the sweet-smelling aroma. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, remember, he is a converted Jew. He takes this same thought in verses 14 through 16, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things. You know, I go back to that experience in that Sunday school class, the young boy who is so animated uh, and takes that whiff uh, of that bouquet of flowers and says, stinks good. There are people who in their life, their circumstances, we could say in a word, stink. They've had experiences that not only have been unpleasant, uh, sometimes experiences that are brutal. But yet their life still produces something unusually pleasant. A generosity, a kindness. You know, even my father, I fondly remember him from time to time. He was 99 years old when he passed away. Uh, but he grew up in foster care. In his generation, things were much different. Essentially, as a youth, he grew up uh, uh, in a form of indentured slavery. If he didn't do things a certain way, he was beaten with the flat side of a hammer. How many people today blame uh, their unreasonable qualities, uh, their ill-natured uh, 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 treatment of others uh, on the way they were abused or the way they were neglected when they were young? But my father was generous. He was kind. 
Even uh, during his passing, uh, one of our neighbors, an older gentleman that I've known uh, since my youth, came up to me and said, David, I'm going to miss your father. But if you will be half the man that he was, you will amount to something. See, that was the impression that he made. He could have been like so many who were drunken, uh, many who were abusive, uh, but he chose instead to treat others in a way that he had never been treated. He chose to be different. We look at the lives of the apostles and the words that we've already read this week, how they were shamefully treated, how they were abused, but yet in turn they entreated, they blessed, they encouraged. They chose to love. So even though their life and circumstances, in a word, stinks, yet it produced something good, something beautiful, an aroma of life that is unique. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. Paul writes the church, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. See, our love, our devotion, our prayers, our conduct are a form of incense that God takes note of. Sacrifices that we make, choices, decisions, again, to complement others, to be a blessing, to learn to give. Giving isn't just in our offering, but sometimes it's in opening the home, inviting people in, befriending others. Helping somebody out when they're unemployed. uh, Assisting someone uh, when they've lost a loved one. And people, uh, 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 you know, cook meals and provide things uh, for others. Providing a ride. How many know these are sacrifices uh, that are meant to be a sweet-smelling aroma before God? Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 Again, remember the Apostle Paul, how he said, don't be ashamed of me and my chains, for what has happened to me has fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. But there were times where he he was in great want, in great need. There were times where he had no cloak or coat. He had no reading material. There were needs that were present in churches and places around the world. And they would take up offerings for churches that were suffering or deprived. Verse 18, Paul writes and says, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, 
a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Once again, the Apostle Paul takes this understanding from Jewish heritage and traditions and understanding that the altar of incense is in reference to our life. Our giving, our sacrifices, the decisions that we make, even when it's not easy. That even in the hardships and the difficulties of life, even in the face of persecution, we choose to be kind. We choose to be generous. We choose to put God first. And this is a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You know, we learn about prayer. We know that when we are a young believer, it's all we can do to pray for five minutes sometimes. When we know there's a whole lot of more things to pray for, but it's a struggle. And so we learn. We learn to apply ourselves. Uh, uh, and sometimes we pray prayers, and it, we even forget, perhaps, whether or not those prayers were answered. And we do so again on a regular basis. I know there was a time in my life it seemed that I was praying only my complaints. You know, making my needs known. You know, I remember that scripture, you know, where Jesus comforts us by telling us, your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask. And I thought, why do I have to ask? And the truth is, is because God gives us the dignity of participating in our own destiny. That you and I can contend for those things and believe and put our trust in Him. And how many know that's what makes us who we are? It's a precious gift that God gives. Sometimes when we pray, it's deadpan words with no fervency. This is why Jesus warned, even when He gave us the Lord's Prayer, the preamble to that, he says, don't pray with vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. But after this manner, pray. He gives us an outline of how to approach God, how to make our requests before the Lord, how to honor our Heavenly Father and realize what a remarkable revelation that was. People didn't know God as their Father. He was Jehovah God. He was an authority figure. He was creator. There is none like him. But the thought of him being benevolent, the thought of him caring, the thought of us coming like children to ask for the things that we need was something they had never heard before. And so God teaches us how to pray. He shows us how to approach him. We realize that God loves us and acts on our behalf when we take the time to pray. The book of Revelations talks about the day of judgment that is coming. And I believe it is on the horizon. No man knows the hour of the day in which Jesus will return. 
but we are to pray that we are counted worthy, that we can escape the things that must come to pass. But as those judgments are being poured out, there's reference to a container, a jar, as it were, which is to be poured out in the last day. And the Bible says that this is the prayer of the saints. That this aroma, that this uh, gets God's attention, uh, that as people have bent their knee uh, and lifted their voice to God, uh, that perhaps he's not able to move immediately. He's not able uh, because he's patient. He is long-suffering. And so uh, he has to bottle those prayers up for the appropriate time. And then God moves on the behalf of his people because they took the time to pray. See, there are perhaps those that are here. You've had experiences in life that haven't always been pleasant. Things that, frankly, you can say, that's strange. Why did it have to happen to me? Why am I struggling in this area? Why did I have to lose a loved one at this point or period of time in my life? Why did a marriage have to go into crisis? Why did I have to grow up without one of my parents? There are all of these factors that sometimes can twist people's spirits and their personalities. But yet there are those, those who have faith in God, those who learn that even though life may stink from time to time, that doesn't mean we have to. That we can still be a sweet-smelling aroma. That our life, our actions, our efforts can produce blessing. And this is what God has for every one of us. Your life counts. Your experiences count. As long as you continue to put Jesus first. I wonder if we can bow our heads just for a moment and close our eyes briefly. Again, God bless you so much. I'm so grateful at the opportunity to come and to get to know your pastor better and get to know you, to count you among my friends. But before I do anything else tonight, perhaps there are some that are here. If you're not a believer, God is drawing you to Himself. He is trying to reveal His love. He's trying to reveal His great care for you, that He knows you by name and all the details of your life. But you'll never know the blessings. You'll never know the benefits of serving Him unless you repent. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.